0: Wisconsin does not have a signature win. That win over Michigan State on Christmas Day was important at the time. A lot has changed since Christmas Day. We got a new president. Mr. Potato Head is no longer a mister like that That was a while ago.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: I want to get something out of my chest before we start the show today. Uh, I I love this job. I can't imagine actually having a real job and doing real work. I feel very lucky to be able to do this job. I love it. Four to six, my two favorite hours every single day. I love it. But I got to complain a little bit because today was the deadline day for the NFL franchise tag, as you just heard Zach Heilbrin uh, mention a minute ago in that Wisconsin Sports update. The deadline was this afternoon at 3 o'clock Central Time. And it came and went, Packers didn't tag Aaron Jones, but I spent all day today glued to Twitter with notifications turned on for Adam Schefter and Tom Pellicero and Ian Rappaport. And every time my phone Buzz, I got to, what's the news? What's the news? I got to keep track of everybody who's getting tagged. And at the drop of a hat, I got to be ready to throw out my entire show plan because the Packers decide to tag Aaron Jones. So I waited all day today for some type of news for something to happen. And nothing did. So I wasted a lot of time today. And we don't get to talk about Aaron Jones playing under the franchise tag. He is going to become a free agent. Now, he can still resign with the Packers, and it's not that unrealistic. But no franchise tag, and I feel like I wasted a lot of time and mental energy today waiting for the news. The news that never came. Great. (laughs) It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills, and I hope you're having an awesome, awesome day. The weather is beautiful. Uh, I think I overdressed for it a little bit. I wore a crew neck today as I normally do. That's kind of my thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little warm. I I didn't even expect 60 degrees to feel this good. I, I spent like five minutes every hour just walking outside and standing in the fresh air. I basically operated today like I smoke cigarettes. Like I took a break every hour to go stand outside, even though I just had my water bottle in my hand like an idiot. But I wanted to get some fresh air. And I uh, I very much enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoyed today as well and have a chance to get outside and Enjoy the sunshine before we inevitably get snow probably like a week from now. It'll probably be below zero this weekend. That's how things typically go. If at any point between now and 6 o'clock you feel motivated to join in on the show, you can send me a text, 608-796-2558. You can also tweet at me if you have a Twitter, at Wisco Grant. If you don't have a Twitter, I don't recommend it. It's a toxic cesspool, and it's a huge time suck. But if you're already on there, you might as well go ahead and give me a follow at Wisco Grant, and the talking text line is always open as well. Thomas, our friend from uh, the north side of Lacrosse, jumping in already, saying, yeah, Aaron Jones hasn't been tagged. Nope. Did not get tagged. We were waiting, waiting, waiting. We thought maybe it was going to be a buzzer beater at three o'clock. No. Uh, no dice. It actually might have been two o'clock our time. I'm not sure. With the Central Eastern, it was sometime this afternoon. It's the same thing with the trade deadline. I never want 100% sure, because they always say it's at 4 o'clock Eastern or 3 o'clock Eastern, and then I'm doing the mental math. It's like, okay, so what does that mean for us? Anytime I have a guest on from the East Coast, I come across like such an idiot. Like, well, I can do 5.30 Eastern time. Okay, wait, is that 6.30? Is that 4, 5, 5.30? Time zones. Not my thing. Time zones, finances, grocery shopping. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I'm not good at. But I am half decent. I'd like to think of talking sports. And I want to start the show today by talking a little business. Chatting, chatting business, a little bit about the the salary cap, a little bit about the franchise tag and restructuring of contracts, th- things of that nature, business. And the last 24 hours in the NFL, it's been absolutely wild. And it's only going to get crazier in the coming weeks because as of yesterday, Ian Rappaport and others reported, and we talked about it really briefly yesterday, we still actually don't know what the salary cap is, which seems insane to me. That seems like a a fairly significant detail that maybe we should get ironed out so these teams know. But I get that there's a lot that goes into setting the salary cap as well. Ian Rappaport reporting yesterday, it's official that the salary cap doesn't come today, and the NFL might have to move back the deadline to franchise tag players from Tuesday, which didn't turn out to be the case. The NFL stood fast uh, on that front. It's a situation several GMs are bracing for, and it could stall business a little bit. I think the stalling of business is about the cuts, right? GMs are waiting to make cuts. Like, if you're going to franchise tag a player, the salary cap may or may not have impacted your ability or your desire to franchise tag someone. If the Packers are going to cut somebody like Preston Smith or Dean Lowry, well, I want to see the number first. That's understandable. So maybe those decisions get pushed back a little bit, and Ian Rappaport reporting that yesterday and and pointing out that fact. I want to start with the big story of the last 24 hours, and then use that as a vehicle to talk about the Packers, specifically Aaron Jones. I actually want to start with Dak Prescott, who got a new deal yesterday, and I hate myself for starting here because I feel like Mike Greenberg. But this is actually an interesting story. This is an instance of a player winning big time. If you didn't see the numbers yesterday, Dak Prescott agreed with the Cowboys to a four-year $160 million contract, almost $130 million guaranteed. The signing bonus is $66 million. And he's gonna make 75 million in year one, which is a record. Over the first three years of the deal, he's gonna average about 42 per year. So his cap hit moving forward is gonna be about $42 million per year. That's substantial, and it is bigger than every quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes. Good for Dak Prescott. Like, I have no love for the Cowboys, and I don't really have any love for Dak Prescott. He's a cool story, and he certainly overcame a lot, including that brutal leg injury last year. He bet on himself and actually got everything he wanted including a pretty short contract so he can hit free agency again in four years when, assumedly, if he stays healthy, he's still in his prime, and he can get another big payday. Dak did it. Dak won. Because a lot of times players, they fight with their organization, and they hold out, and they there's a contract standoff, and then the player doesn't really end up even getting what they want. Like Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell got his long-term deal with the Jets, but what did that mean really? One initial payday, and then that was kind of it, and the Jets moved on. I don't know if missing that year really financially benefited Le'Veon Bell that much. Dak Prescott was patient, played under the salary cap for a year, played under the franchise tag for a year, excuse me, and he actually got what he wanted. Now, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott are a cautionary tale in a few different respects, and this is where I want to apply it to the Packers. The number one thing you can learn from the Dak Prescott contract and from the Cowboys is you don't draft a running back high. You don't do it. Ezekiel Elliott was drafted in the top five a couple of years ago. And the Cowboys, without blinking, gave Ezekiel Elliott a six-year, $90 million extension, which for a running back is unbelievable. A four-year contract for a running back is long. Six years, $90 million? Really only bidding against themselves. But the Cowboys did that deal because they felt like they had to. Because they, oh, well, he's a top-five pick. I mean, we committed a top-five pick in the NFL draft to this guy. We can't just let him walk for nothing. Well, you should let him walk for nothing because he's a running back, and he's not even really that good of a running back, but the Cowboys felt, we need to pay him. We absolutely have to pay him, because we 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 drafted him in the top five. We can't let him go for nothing three years later, so the Cowboys paid him, and that hampered their ability to pay other members of their team, including Dak Prescott. They didn't end up paying him until yesterday. That's one lesson. Don't draft a running back high, and I want to apply that to the Packers here in a minute. It's also a really good example on maybe paying your quarterback first, because Dallas has paid... A lot of their players. A lot of... Dallas has taken care of their own, and I I do like that about a team. It makes it, I think, an appealing place to play, knowing that the GM and the owner and everybody has your back. But Dallas has paid everybody up until this point, really, except for Dak. They paid Demarcus Lawrence, paid Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott. They played Jalen Smith, who I, I don't know what the thinking was there. They paid all these other guys, and then they were left with Well, do we now pay Dak? Of course you pay Dak. You should have paid Dak first. And if they would have paid Dak first, like the Eagles did with Wentz, erroneously, or the Rams did with Goff, erroneously, this would have been a lot cheaper deal. Now, Dallas played the waiting game to make sure that Dak was the real deal. That's something that the Eagles didn't do or the Rams didn't do, and they paid for it big time, and they're paying for it still, dead cap into this year for Wentz and for Goff. But the Cowboys, in waiting, cost themselves a bunch of money. And in the meantime, they paid Zeke for some reason. Tony Pollard's a better running back. They paid Jalen Smith, who I like, but he's a linebacker with a history of knee injuries. They paid Amari Cooper, who's a pretty good wide receiver. I don't think he's great. I think he's pretty good. Pay your quarterback first. And don't draft a running back high. Now, if you apply these principles in this contract to Aaron Jones and the Packers, Packers elected to not franchise tag Aaron Jones this year. Dallas extended their star running back, Ezekiel Elliott, a year ago. Six years, $90 million dollars. The Packers elected to not franchise tag Aaron Jones, and I can't imagine they're bringing him back. And if they do, I can't imagine it will be on anything close to six years, $90 million. The difference between the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers and their respective running backs, though, is a huge gap in draft selection. The Cowboys drafted their star running back in the top five. The Packers drafted their star running back, Aaron Jones, in the fifth round with the 182nd pick overall. Now, maybe the Packers end up retaining Jones in one way or another. Okay, now it won't be through the franchise tag, but maybe they come to some sort of deal and they keep him around. We'll see. I don't think so, but maybe. If, however, the Packers let him walk, which seems like the most probable outcome, they're out of fifth round pick. They got great value for that fifth round pick for a couple of years, especially the last two, when he was the focal point of their offense, at least the focal point opposite Devontae Adams. And if the Packers let Aaron Jones walk for nothing, oh, it stinks to lose a great player, but you're out of fifth round pick and that's it. The Cowboys, they can't afford to let Ezekiel Elliott go because top five pick, probably the best draft pick they'll have in the next 10 or 20 years. You never pick in the top five and Dallas took a running back. So they felt like they needed to sign him because you can't let a top five pick walk for nothing, even if they're a running back. And that's a trap that the Packers aren't currently in. They're trying to decide whether or not they want to continue to invest in a player they selected in the fifth round. And we've seen the Packers do this in the past. They did it with Mike Daniels, where they paid him once, but then they let him go. It's like, dude, we got you in the fourth round. We got great value for you. It's time to go. They did the same thing with Micah Hyde. Mid-round pick. They gave him one deal, if I remember correctly, or maybe it was only his rookie deal. And then at the end of that deal, they said, okay, bye-bye. You're a mid-round pick. We're going to let you go. Yeah, Micah Hyde played one contract in Green Bay, and then they let him go. Mid-round pick. Got great value for you. And the Packers have done this for the last five or six years. If you hit on a fourth or a fifth or a sixth-round pick, that's great. If they're at a premium position and you can afford to extend them, you do so. And if not, you say, hey, thank you for your service. You were a sixth-round pick that cost us nothing, and we have no problem letting you go. That's not an option with a top five pick in the draft, even if that pick is a running back. And that was the problem with the Dallas Cowboys, and that's why now they're overspending to such a degree on Dak Prescott. And this is why you spend premium picks on premium positions, because at premium positions in the draft, you want to get guys that you're more than happy to pay. You want to get David Bakhtiari, who you have no problem paying a big chunk of money to because he's a left tackle. You want to draft a guy like Jair Alexander. You'll pay for a shutdown corner all day. You want to get a pass rusher. In the first round, you don't take running backs. I don't think safeties, for the most part, are always a wise investment in the first round. Unless they can become a game changer, which is the hope with Darnell Savage. I don't like to draft interior linemen in the first round unless they are truly special. Right, Quentin Nelson's a good example. But you can get middle linemen Elton Jenkins type lane taylor type later on in the draft you use premium picks like a top 5 pick to select premium positions cornerback is a premium position right tackle is a premium position i think uh let's see not a lot of premium positions corner tackle Wide receiver, stud wide receiver. I think wide receiver is a premium position. Let's talk about Packers wide receivers while we're on the topic. Devin Funches took a pay cut, which I'm not really sure how. Because Devin Funches was making like nothing. And it was reported yesterday that he took a pay cut of $750,000, which had to be like his entire paycheck. <laughs> what is he making now? Like 30000 bucks? Making as much as a school teacher in Green Bay? Like he's got to be making like nothing. He took a pay cut, which I think signals that he'll probably be back with the Packers. So their wide receiving core now is Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Devin Funchess, Equinemius St. Brown, and Alan Lazard, assuming they retain him, which they certainly should. I think wide receiver is a, is a premium position. It's a position that you can spend premium picks on. Think of, it, think of it this way. When you're trying to decide whether or not you want to spend a top 5 or top 10 or top 20 pick on a certain player— Think of it this way. All right, I'm thinking of spending a 15th overall pick on this player. Do I want to extend this player in three years? Yes or no? If so, draft him. Don't draft a running back in the top five. The Giants are going to experience this with Saquon Barkley. In a year or two, it's going to come time to pay Saquon, and they're going to think, ah, uh, we really don't want to, but we spent the number two pick in the draft on him, so we kind of have to. And then you get into bad contract, like the Cowboys did with Zeke. When you're figuring out, okay, do we want to take this player, this player? Is it a player that you're going to pay in in two or three years? If so, pull the trigger in the first round. I think wide receiver is one of those positions. And the Packers need to get another wide receiver in the building. I want Matt LaFleur to get a versatile guy. Someone who can do slot stuff, come out of the backfield a little bit, yards after the catch stuff like Debo Samuel or Mecole Hardman. They have Adams, MVS. Those can be your down-the-field guys. I like Lazard as a possession-wide receiver and a dude who does the dirty work over the middle of the field. But they need some juice. They need some spice. They actually need rookie Randall Cobb. That that would be a great type of player. I know Rondale Moore from Purdue is is a name that we know, Big Ten fans. I think maybe that makes sense if he's there in the first round. Amari Rogers from Clemson is another name that I've seen. Packers need another weapon. They do. I I don't mean to bang the wide receiver drum that everybody's been banging for the last year, but wide receiver is a premium position, and it's a a position that they need to invest in because it'll make Lafleur's offense a lot more dangerous, especially in big games. It's not about being the number one rated offense over the course of the season. That's great, and that's how you establish seating, and that's how you win games and get into the postseason, but in moments... In the third quarter against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when your offense is stalling, you need a guy to make a play? Okay, well, now it's no longer about season-wide statistics and averages. Now it's about one player in one play in one moment. And they didn't really have that guy other than Devontae Adams. And when he doesn't pull in touchdowns like you saw in the NFC title game, the offense can have issues situationally. They need another guy. I want to continue to talk about the Packers. Another premium position, cornerback, something we talked about yesterday. It's a conversation I want to continue coming up next. And Zach Heilprin, who we're workshopping a new nickname for. What about the Mad City Madman? I kind of like that. Zach Heilprin, we'll talk to him. Badgers, Greg Gard, Brad Davis, and Bo Barofsky, All that coming up at 4.30. So much more of the Wisco Sports Show to come with me. My name, Grant Bills. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: go sports show rolling on hope you're having an excellent excellent day enjoying the weather my name is grant bills on twitter at wisco grant talking football it was kind of a hectic day in the nfl it was franchise tag day the deadline day and players are getting cut and there's trade rumors and the nfl offseason just isn't messing around in 2021 big joe tweets in at wisco grant says hey grant are you sick of hearing about Russell Wilson to the Bears yet? I work with a guy who is a diehard Bears fan, and he goes, oh, we get Wilson. We're instant Super Bowl contenders. And we'll give Green Bay a run for the division. I respect the Bears, but I'm not a fan. I'm a Packer fan. Big Joe, I appreciate the tweet, and I appreciate you being very clear where your allegiance lies. Thank you. We wouldn't want any bias to creep into <laughs> to creep into your tweets. Am I sick of the Russell Wilson to the Bears stuff? Um, no, I wouldn't say I'm sick of it. I... I think it's an interesting story, and it's a fun thought experiment. I don't think the Seahawks are trading Russell Wilson. I just don't think John, I don't think John Schneider is considering that. But let's pretend for a second that he was. I mean, what would, what would the Seahawks want? They want to run the ball and play defense. Well, the Bears have an edge rusher, Khalil Mack, that's appealing, they have a linebacker, Roquan Smith, who's actually a young developing player, which is more appealing than Khalil Mack, but doesn't have quite the name recognition. Probably want some some running game in return, so you got to think the Bears would include David Montgomery. The Bears weirdly have the players that Seattle would maybe want. I just don't know if they have the picks. Like, you need premium picks. You need good draft selections in return for Russell Wilson, and I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know that the Bears can offer that. What, do they have the 20th pick in the draft this year? Now... I think the Bears are going to pull out all the stops to try to make this happen. Because wh- wh- what other choice do they have? Mitchell Trubisky is dump. Nick Foles is worse. And Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are on the last year of their deal. You think they're going to go quietly into the night? You think they're going to go down 6-10 and 10 behind Mitch Trubisky and say, oh, well, we tried it one more time? No. I feel like they got to have a move up their sleeve. Or at least they're going to try to make a move. I don't know, it's an interesting story. I'm not sick of the Russell Wilson to Chicago yet. I'm sick of the Bears thinking that they're entitled to trade for any player that's ever unhappy, and the Bears fans think that that one player is going to vault them into the Super Bowl. If the Bears trade away a couple of firsts, Roquan Smith, David Montgomery, and Khalil Mack for Russell Wilson, what's the difference between Russell Wilson on the Seahawks now and Russell Wilson on the Bears in that hypothetical? The defense is okay. They have about as good a personnel as the Seahawks would have. They don't have a good offensive line still, which is what Russell Wilson really wants. And I don't know if the weapons are any good. If they retain Allen Robinson, they tagged him today. We'll see if Robinson actually wants to play under the franchise tag. But other than that, I mean, does the Seahawks have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's not like it's that big of a difference. I'm not annoyed with the Russell Wilson to the Bears talk. I am slightly annoyed with Bears fans thinking that every player who ever comes available is the difference between an 8-8 and season and a Super Bowl title. And Bears fans, nothing personal against you. It's not what I'm saying. I just, I don't know. It's, I think it's a flawed way of thinking. You're always one quarterback away from a Super Bowl. There's a lot more that goes into it. We're talking Packers, and we're going to talk Packers for a couple more minutes until we speak to the Mad City Madman. Does that work? Does that have a nice ring? I'm going to try it today, and we'll reassess at 6 o'clock. Zach Heilprin from the Wisconsin Sports Network and from The Zone, coming up at 435 to talk Badgers. But we're talking about premium positions. I think wide receiver is one. Cornerback is a premium position pass rusher, tackle. These are players and positions that you want to target high in the draft because they're players and positions that you want to turn around in two or three years and absolutely extend. Yeah, in a heartbeat, we'll extend Jair Alexander or Khalil Mack or Miles Garrett or David Bakhtiari. Uh, Saquon Barkley? Mm, I don't know. Ezekiel Elliott? The Cowboys did it, but they really shouldn't have. You invest premium picks in premium positions because in two or three years, you turn around and retain those players. Save the running backs for the fourth, fifth round. The guys you can let walk a couple years later and say, hey, thank you for your service. We got great value. And I think that's what the Packers were about to do with Aaron Jones. What they did with Mike Daniels and Micah Hyde. And I I get it. Like, I see and hear Packers fans. We don't want to draft a cornerback. Cornerback is a premium position. You need to draft corners. And all I see on Twitter and all I see on the talking text line is Packers fans saying, well, I don't want to go back to the days of drafting corners. Yeah, wham. I didn't want to draft a quarterback last year either, but you don't always get what you want, okay? Goody drafted Jair and Josh Jackson in, what was that, 2018, to pair with Kevin King. And then they completely went hands-off with the corner position for three years. That's not an ideal way to do it. I don't want to start from scratch at cornerback every three to four years. That's no way to operate. But yet that's the way the Packers front office has handled the cornerback position, one of the most important positions the last three or four years. It's like going grocery shopping once a month. You're fat and happy for a week or two, but then a couple of weeks later, you got empty cupboards. You got to start from scratch next time you go to the store instead of saying, well, what do I need? I need uh, I need a loaf of bread. I need some mayo. I need some salami. Uh, oh yeah, and that's right. We're out of eggs. Well, if you only shop once a month, you need to get everything every single time. And that's what the Packers were going to attempt to do, rebuilding half of their secondary this year. And I would, no, it's a mess. That's a terrible way to grocery shop. That's how I do it. You have empty cupboards. Like right now, I think I have peanut butter. It's almost gone. And a bag of rice. There's 0% chance I'm cooking that rice anytime soon because I have nothing to go with it because I never go grocery shopping. You put me in charge of an NFL team today, and I have a rule in our front office about our secondary. We add to it every year. Every draft, we are committing a pick to a cornerback or to a safety, and not in the sixth or seventh round. Somewhere in rounds one, two, three, four, five, we are drafting a corner, or we are drafting a safety. Now, the Packers are pretty content at safety between Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, but they could use a tweener type, like what they wanted Josh Jones to be. They could use a player like that. They could use somebody to play the nickelback or the star position. I think that's the trendy new word for it. Because Chandon Sullivan, just he's fine, but he's not going to cut the mustard against teams like Tampa Bay, and that was very evident in the NFC Championship game. Now, I don't know about the first round of the draft, and I don't know where some of these corners are going to fall, the corner from Virginia Tech or Patrick certain from Alabama. Greg Newsom from Northwestern had a day today at the Northwestern Pro Day. He ran 4-3-1 in the 40-yard dash, unofficially. Whatever the hell that means. I don't—official, unofficial. Do we not have someone with, like, a laser timer? Or are we all stopwatches like it's the field house of the high school? Like, if I, if I was in charge of Pro Days, I'm a track and cross-country guy. If I was in charge of Pro Days, I would tell players, look, you, you get to pick—you do two of these four events— you do the eight hundred, the four hundred, the mile, the sixteen hundred, or the three hundred hurdles. You have to do two of those. Screw the forty yard four three versus four two night. What's the di- what's the difference? I'm very anti forty yard dash, and I don't think I brought that up on the show until now. But since it's draft season, season spelled S Z N, I'm, I'm against the forty. Let's actually have, let's run some distance here. I want to see how these guys stride out. Ran a four three one sick. I don't. What am I supposed to do with that? Now, Brian Gudikins was at Greg Newsom's Pro Day today. Rick Spielman was too. Mike Mayock was too. If Greg Newsom lasts all the way to 29, I, I would be surprised because this happens every year. We get these draft crushes that we're really into and we really want the Packers to take. And we we decide on these players in February. And then two months later, they're going in the top 15. So we always have to kind of adjust who we want as March passes and as we get into April. I got corners on the mind, though. It's a premium position that the Packers need to spend more capital on. Otherwise, we're going to be doing this every three or four years where we got to completely rebuild one side of the secondary, and that's no way to be. It's no way to operate. Let's take a break. The Mad City Madman, Zach Heilprin. I want to ask him about Brad Davison and Greg Gard and get like a legit reporter adult perspective on some of these storylines that emerged after the Iowa game on Saturday. So Badgers basketball, Zach Heilprin, our good friend, coming up next here on the Wisco Sports.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Thomas texts in and says, Hey Grant, what are we talking about today? Thomas, we're we're doing it. We're, we're, t- we're talking about it right now. We're about to talk Badgers, but we've been talking Packers and maybe starting to preview a little bit what they could or what they should do in the draft. What are we talking about? Just listen, man. And of course, you can chime in and bring up any topics that you would like. 608-796-2558. So Thomas, if there's anything you would like to add, feel free to do so. Twitter as well, at Wisco Grant. Joining us now on the Talk and Text Line, workshopping a new nickname, Zach, the Mad City Madman. What do you think of that? Keep working. Grant. Keep well. It was the it was the first idea. We'll we'll keep we'll, we'll keep working on it. Zach, I told you. Hey, notes. Notes. No, it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. I actually,
2: before we get started here, uh, I was actually told to ask. Evo told me to ask you how things are going with your long distance relationship.
0: This is ridiculous. Do you do you know the story behind this? Or are you being used as a, a total? Not a pawn, because calling the media pawns—that's very disrespectful. Is Ebo just using you to, to? Do you know what he's talking about at all? I may or may not have a clue as to what he's talking about. I'll always cards close to the vest. I do not have a long-distance relationship. I don't have any relationship
2: at all. I thought, I thought, I thought you had a relationship going on with somebody in New York.
0: Okay, let's talk about this. Seeing you went there—is it? Is it completely unbelievable <laughs> that I can have a woman as a guest on my show and that she knows what she's talking about and she's a good guest and is it Ooh. is it completely unbelievable to, for us to have that working relationship without some romantic side? Is that can Ebo not understand I think, that? I I, I
2: I think that's very unfair to assume that that's why we were uh, why Ebo was referring to your relationship. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that uh, she knows exactly what she's talking about. and She's great. Um, I think it's just, uh, you know, some of the interactions on Twitter, some of the likes that are happening on Twitter both ways. Oh I, I, just, I, I think it's a little, uh, it's just a little interesting.
0: Well, it's Zach, interesting. Some, pe- some people, this is not a shot at you. Some people, when they go on each other's shows, we support each other with tweets and retweets. And I know you're not, you have a very clean timeline, all right? You don't go throwing retweets around, which I respect about you, but not everybody is like that. And, and I can see why you would see that as romance.
2: I, no, that's I'm not. I am not seeing that as romance. I would just like to know that I, I like to point out that I did retweet you uh, as recently as two weeks ago. Yeah, you did just to, just to say that. I believe I have retweeted you since uh, or more than you've retweeted me in the last two weeks. So I'm, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, Grant, we uh, we are very supportive of your long-term relationship here in Madison. We we love we love that you guys are, are having something happen online i
0: think it's awesome this is um first of all th- thank you i appreciate your support and to know that i have the blessing mm-hmm. of of you the voice of the wisconsin sports network and ebo um it makes me feel a lot better about what i'm doing so i'm, I'm glad i'm gonna have to text ebo uh over this next commercial break i, I appreciate him zach because you have brought a surprise topic, I will bring a surprise topic to you. And I just, I'm interested to see if you have anything to say about this. We're talking about the draft and cornerbacks. Can you tell me anything about Greg Newsom from Northwestern? You cover the Badgers. Badgers fast. play Northwestern. He's, okay. Yeah, he's, he's fast,
2: right? He, already, well, he ran like a 4-3-1 today. He's a big guy. Physically, looks the part. Um, you know, I, well, I I think he's quickly, and I know that Andy Herman made this joke already on Twitter. That he's quickly making his way uh, out of the pack. Packers range of 29 yeah. uh, after running that, that 4-3-1 today. So, I, I mean, cornerback is certainly going to be a need. They don't necessarily – it seems unlikely they're going to re-sign Kevin King. You like their other three spots. They probably need an upgrade at the nickel spot too, though maybe Jair can play that too. But, yeah, Gavin Newsom – uh, not Kevin Newsom. Uh, <laughs> the quarterback from Gavin Newsom getting into politics here. Greg Newsom, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he, uh, you know, certainly – looks the part. It just seems like he's probably rising up draft boards a little bit too quickly for the Packers to, to get him at 29.
0: Do I have this incorrectly, Zach, or did you, were you once a track athlete? Did I, I don't remember who told me that, but were you a track and field guy? No. Really? Okay. Well, I don't know who told uh, me that.
2: Is, is surprising? is that surprising?
0: Well, I, you know, you work in sports. I always pictured you as an athlete. Well, I, like, I was a track and cross country and guy football. and I was just, yeah, yeah. you played football. Yeah, I was chatting with my trust, listeners. Trust.
2: Cross-country makes sense. I get it. Yeah. No, it's
0: all coming together here. <laughs> I, I I was Cross explaining country. with my listeners, I think we should do away with the 40-yard dash, and we should let these mm. athletes for their pro days. They pick two of these four, the 400, the 800, the 1600, and the 300 hurdles. Because I don't know what a 4-3 means. If you run like a 52-second 400, okay, I can work with that. Or if you run a five fifteen mile, that's interesting. I don't know what to do with a 4-3. I think we need reform.
2: You don't know what to do if they've been around the forty for how many years you don't know what to do with a four three i think it's I think it's more worthwhile to um to look at guys play speed okay. right like it's it's way more like we have these advanced analytics now that you can that you can figure out exactly how how fast guys are playing during the during the game that to me is just so much more important than a forty time as well and I think eventually it will be um you know phased out but it's play speed and I think we have more information about that than ever before, and I think uh, advanced analytics within organizations are certainly using that, probably even more so than a 40-yard dash. But we just know the 40, and we it's we've used it for so long that we know what's good, we know what's bad, and uh, that's just we, we feel good about it.
0: Well, I was listening to Bill Michaels today, and his breakdown of a fourth. Everyone's like, oh, four three, four three, and his breakdown today was literally, wow, a four three. You're only a couple hundredths of a second away from being a four-two. Wow, that's fast! And I'm listening. I was like, "What is it? What is going on?" What, I, that means nothing to me. So I guess the forty—sometimes yeah. it goes over my head a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean,
2: no one would have any clue what a good four hundred time was, or a good two hundred time was, or whatever the heck you ran in, in cross country. Only you and the other people that ran cross country would know what that is, what, what that is. Good well, good for that. Like well, nobody has any clue. People that people that follow football know what a good forty time is. Um, football now, guys. It, football. No, no, I'm saying people that follow football that follow the draft. Yeah. For the most part, apparently, I guess not you, but <laughs> for the most people, they know what a what what a good forty is and what isn't.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. I, I I respect that. I do want to talk Badgers with you, Zach Heilpern from the Zone. So lost five in a row, eight strength to a ranked opponent, and the loss is kind of the same as we've seen in the last couple, right? They start slow. They shoot a ton of threes, and they just don't make enough, right? They give up some crucial offensive rebounds, but this game was a little bit different. It was very controversial, and I want to start with all the reviews. And, Zach, like, I understand an occasional review at the end of a game. I'm a patient man. Like, the end of college basketball games are typically clunky. There's media timeouts, and there's fouls, and, I like, I can live with that. I don't love it, but it's been part of the game. What I hate are the extra reviews, right, the ones that are forced by a coach or a bench, like, now you're looking for more reviews. And I think we need to draw the line there. You cover these games, and you see every single one. So you have a good perspective game to game. What did you make of all the reviews and and how long that game took at the end?
2: It took entirely too long. I mean, you could have had at least – you could have had quite the text conversation uh, with the person from New York over that 20 minutes that it took to to finish the last minute of that game. Like, it was insane. And a lot of them, you're right – were the result of Iowa wanting uh, reviews, and I don't think—at least this is just me—I I don't think that if the reviews or the plays did not involve Brad Davison, that they would not be going every single time over to look at the play. Uh, I agree with Great Guard; the uh, the calls for review are out of hand. It's insane. There needs to be a limit to it. There needs to be kind of like in NFL where it's you know. You have a, you have a certain number of challenges, and then in the final two minutes it goes out of your hands, so that you don't have it at all. So I don't even, I don't think that play probably even gets it looked at if, uh, if it's in that situation because the officials didn't see anything on the floor. The only reason they went over there is because I was crying about it. So yeah. I think that there has to be a cut down on the number of challenges somehow, some way. It has gotten out of out of hand, and certainly the ones involving Brad Davidson have gotten out of hand.
0: Do you think Brad Davison has earned the reputation and the treatment that he gets from officials and from players and, and the media? Probably a different answer if you ask a badger fan versus you know a, a college basketball fan of another team. what do you yeah. think? do you think, do you think this reputation and this treatment is deserved to some extent? It's a tough question, but what do you think?
2: I think I think the worst thing that ever happened to Brad Davison was the NC State game his mm-hmm. sophomore year, where he took four charges. And UW put out a a video of him, and it hit ESPN, and ESPN just revolted against it. Bobani Jones came out so hard against it. Like, it was the worst thing that could possibly happen. Because anything now that he does from that point on is magnified. And there are incidents where you could could call him a dirty player, right? The Mm -hmm. Joey Hauser thing against Marchette. Last year against Iowa. Like, those are— The Minnesota game where he kind
0: of stuck his leg out. I saw that today.
2: Yep, yep. Yeah, those those are all things that you could point to and say, "Gosh, he's a dirty player." But having been around Brad for as long as I have, these last four years, and seeing every single game he's played, and talking to him, and being around him, I just I, I just don't. I, I just I, I don't think he is a dirty like a per se dirty player. He plays hard. He does things that probably go right towards line. I don't. But has he earned the reputation that? Uh, has he earned the reputation that people are are always considering and, and questioning him? Yes, he has earned that.
0: Yeah, I I actually went back and I watched that Bamani Jones rant when he was on with Pablo Torre. And he compared him to Aaron Kraft. He's like, well, he, you know, you should have aspired to more. He had Aaron Kraft's poster on his bedroom wall. I was like, where did Aaron, like, would we just name another yeah. white Big Ten player? Like, is that where this is going? So I actually have that audio. We're going to listen to that after uh, we're done talking to you, Zach. Last question because you know that I love ideas and theories. And I thought about this one. I thought about doing this segment today. The, the conversation that the Badgers that. are angry and they're going to rally around Brad Davison and Greg Gard. And now they're fired up and now they go on a run and they have something to play for. And I, I didn't do that segment tonight. It's, it's low-hanging fruit. It would have been easy to, to fill 10 minutes with that. I just don't believe it. Like, I don't think this Badgers yeah. team has another gear. What do you think of that argument? I saw a tweet right before you, you came did. on. Yeah. Evan Flood, I think, had the quote of the players like, we could have gone back out and played Iowa again. We were so amped up. Like, I get that. I just don't know how much yeah. better this team can play.
2: Yeah, Dimitri Trice said it as much. That's it. Uh, He said that what Greg Gard did, he, he lit a fire under us by going and, and backing up Brad like he did. And I thought that probably would be the outcome of that, kind of how they felt about it. It was going to be, they were going to love it. Uh, in the locker room, I know that players that aren't even on the team right now, that are going to come in next year, loved it. Chucky Hepburn's mom tweeted about it. Like they, they are. It's it was a good, really, really good thing uh, for him to do. But I don't think it's going to have any uh, impact on whether they beat Nebraska or Penn State, or then they go back and beat Iowa. What's going to make What's going to make the difference is can they extend what they did in the second half against Iowa? Shoot the ball well. Um, you know, get open shots. Can they do those things consistently? Because if they can, they are good enough defensively to play with any team. But they have to hit shots, and they did in the second half, seven of thirteen from three. You know, they finished with what forty six point seven percent from the floor for the game. That was their second best in the last two months. Like those are all good indications, and and I think that was the indications were there against Purdue too. Like they were getting open shots, and they are too good of shooters for those shots to not go down. Now they may not that may not happen. On Thursday night, and and if they win that game Friday, I don't know that, but they have the ability, and at least we saw a little bit of a, a little bit of a kernel against Iowa that their offense is getting open shots, and now it's just about hitting them, and, and they did in the second half.
0: Yeah, and I don't think motivation is the issue. I just if they can't shoot and they can't get rebounds, well, they can't shoot and get rebounds. So we'll see it. I mean, I feel better now. Rather Hopefully, they're game. they're excited. Yeah, I just I don't know if it's going to lead. No, to, they
2: are excited. More like, wins. No, they're excited. They're excited about going in. And they're, it, Oh no, right? Everyone's yeah. everyone's starting the season over again. Some teams may just have easier pass because of their seeds, but everyone has a chance now, Wisconsin's included in that and you know, they have got at least two games left and and we'll see what they
0: do with them. Zach, before I let you go, I have to, to tell you about your comments from my guest from New York. We're talking about Perry Goldstein from Cheesehead TV, if, if listeners <laughs> don't know. And I will say, Zach, she listens to the show not every day, but she listens to it quite a bit. And I have not seen my phone light up, and I don't have any Twitter DMs. So I think we're in the clear. Uh, just know that I do have a couple of texts, uh, one from a, a, a listener who's a woman. And she loves hearing a woman's perspective on the show. So we, we get a good thing going. You're not going to – you and Evo aren't going to ruin it.
2: Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. That is not what was said. Don't even try doing that stuff. Don't even do that. That Uh, was not what was said. No. I have nothing but respect for Perry and and, and all the women in sports. It was International Women's Day earlier this week. Like, Yes,
0: don't try, don't try and pull that stuff, Grant. No, 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 no. Not not what I meant. I just uh, I was just like that's I don't what you, exactly to... what you meant. No, that's exactly what you meant. I I mean that towards Ebo, towards... Zach. You're much more of a professional. I wouldn't I wouldn't put words in your mouth. I didn't mean to to do mm-hmm. that. And I appreciate mm-hmm. your Badgers reasoning because I'm not going to lie. It's it's difficult for fans to to sift through all this stuff because we're emotional and we always feel like we're getting jobbed. But I, I appreciate your perspective. And no doubt, when the Badgers get hot. And run through the Big Ten tournament and hopefully March Madness. I'm going to have to have you back on and, and we can talk about it more then. Sounds good, man. Thanks, Zach. Have a good one. All right. Yeah, bye. Zach Heilprin, the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. I can't believe Ebo is putting Zach up to stuff. This show is not safe. Ebo is texting my phone, not the talking text line, but my phone during the show yesterday, trying to get us off the rails. Now he's putting Zach up to, up to this. Unbelievable. Let's... Let's take a break, continue to talk about the Badgers and that uh, Bamani Jones rant that Zach was referencing. I want to share that with you because it's kind of funny and it's a wild look back into what the perspective was of Brad Davison a couple of years ago. And like, is it fair that that remains the perspective? We'll talk about that going up until five o'clock. More of the Wisco Sports Show after that.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network.
0: Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out and talking Wisconsin sports with me. Thank you to Zach Heilprin, our friend from the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network and from The Zone. I appreciate his stellar reporting, his spot on analysis, and his humor as always, although I am going to have to have a word with Ebo. If Ebo wants to be a part of the show, he's got to stop saying dumb stuff. Otherwise, we're going to keep banning him. He doesn't get to put Zach up to to tasks. Hey, Zach, ask Grant about this. No, Ebo, it's not how this works. You don't have a backdoor into the show anytime you want. You're going to start poaching my guests one by one until you derail the show. Zach, I appreciate you. My beef is not with you. It is with uh, Ebo, as always. You know what? Ebo, you're banned. This one's indefinite. We'll decide uh, in the coming days when you're welcome back. Zach referenced a clip. Regarding Brad Davison, and it was from a couple of years ago after he took a bunch of charges against NC State, November 2018, and this was the response on ESPN from Bumani Jones and Pablo Santori on the show at the time it was called High Noon, but it was on at like 4 p.m., which made no sense. But then again, it doesn't. Not the point. It's not what we're talking about. Brad Davison, the response to that multi-charge game against NC State at the Coles Center. I don't really know what their issue was with it. I'll just let these two explain it. Have some self-respect. <laughs> like, that's the worst thing about this, man. Look how happy have you! That's my problem. Have some self-respect. View yourself as an actual real-life basketball player and try to go out there and move and play basketball as opposed to thinking that you just got to go out there and get in the way. You are better than just getting in the way. So I agree that people are exploiting the block charge rule in college sports. It is a main reason why the sport is substandard to the oh, NBA. for free on that one. But when you are reared in this arena and all these people are just cheering for charges, like, I get why you want to exploit the rule. If you did this four times, that's number not. five. I do not. I do not. <clears throat> no, no, no. The idea that you are going to take charges for cheers? Think charges about what you just said. Think about is- what you... That is absolutely what is going on in that guy's tombstone. And that nope. is what you want to be, right? I don't care. That Aaron Craft post, poster that he's got on his wall, you should have aspired for more. Charges for cheers. You know why I would want to take a charge in contest a contested game against a good team? Because I want possession of the basketball. I'm trying to get a stop. I, I I remember when that aired, and I remember talking about it on the show the next day. And I'm like, wait, is taking a charge not a basketball play? Marcus Smart does it for a living. Marcus Smart, if you ask, hey, what's Marcus Smart good at? NBA fans will tell you, oh, he's a huge pain in the ass. Exactly. There's room in the game of basketball to be that type of player. Now, Brad Davison isn't as big and strong and fast, and he's not as good of a shooter or anything. Like, he's not Marcus Smart. But to act like in a game of college basketball, a close contested game, taking a charge is some offensive act, and you should aspire for more. <sighs> What, he's not refing the game. The refs were calling it that way, and he was getting stops. I just thought that was unfair. And to bring Aaron Kraft into it, where did the Aaron Kraft slander come from? Is it because he's white, Bamani? Bamani does a pretty good job of talking about race and politics and sports. I enjoy Bamani Jones. I just I thought that was very unfair at the time. And that kind of created this perception around Brad Davison. And look, he made a couple plays that can be classified as dirty. It's been a while. It's been a couple of years. Which is, I think if you ask Badgers fans right now at this moment about Brad Davison, they'll say, well, he fights for loose balls, shoots a lot of threes, he fights hard. He's he's a nondescript player these days. He doesn't do a whole lot. He's just kind of out there. But if you ask other fans about Brad Davison, they're immediately going to cite what happened in 2018, and I think they'd give you a different response about the player. They'd call him a flopper. they call him a dirty player. Oh, he's been at Wisconsin for like six. He's still there. Like, he has, in a sense, become Aaron Kraft or Grayson Allen, and through some fault of his own, yes, I'm not I'm not saying that Brad Davison was was without blame, but the fact that this is changing how the games are officiated down the stretch in huge conference games in the final week of the season, I don't think he has deserved that. That's where I'll draw the line a little bit. I, I think that's a little bit unfair to Brad Davison, and it stinks, but... I don't know. We'll talk more about the conference tournament, and hopefully it's ending here. Hopefully we don't have to talk about Brad Davis and controversy anymore, one way or another. Let's get back into football. Franchise tags, salary caps, restructuring, all that good stuff. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. Sports Show, rolling on. Hope you're enjoying this beautiful, beautiful day. My name is Grant Bills, and I'm in charge here on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line is 608-796-2558, if you'd like to join me. I've been keeping an eye on this Brewer game, and Garrett Mitchell now has his fourth hit, spring training. He had an RBI to tie it up in the sixth inning, uh, or at least that was 13 minutes ago, so I hope it hasn't changed since then, otherwise I sound really stupid, but spring training, not like it's uh, the most important thing in the world. It's not like it's the OJ trial here, but my point being, Garrett Mitchell picked up his fourth hit of spring training at an RBI. How is Garrett Mitchell playing better and doing more than Corey Ray? Corey Ray was a top 10 pick. He was supposed to be one of these guys who's up next for the Brewers. And a 2020 draft pick, a pick from a couple of months ago, is outperforming Corey Ray. I haven't even seen Corey Ray. Is the kid alive? There you go. There's my minor league baseball. Brewers prospects, Brewers future chatter for the day. That's all I know, so that's all I got. I want to talk about the here and now. I want to talk about Jackie Bradley Jr. And coming up in 10 minutes, earth-shattering stuff, new take, uh, new opinion. I actually think there is a negative to the Jackie Bradley Jr. signing, and it's not the money. That would be an incredibly lame take. Imagine me teasing a segment for an hour and then getting there and saying, I really like the Jackie Bradley Jr. signing, but... mm, $13 a year? That's a little too rich for my blood. That would be the lamest, lamest segment. And I I wouldn't do that segment, let alone tease it for an hour. I think there's a negative about the Jackie Bradley Jr. signing, and it's slightly conspiracy theory-ish. I'll share that with you coming up in 10 minutes. Right now, I actually want to hear from Jackie Bradley Jr. Because anytime we get a new player, a new team, new coach, new something, to get to know him a little bit, do a little Q&A, listen to the response, reflect, Respond A little LRR, right? Like Little River Band, except listen, respect, or listen, reflect, respond. Trying to get these acronyms going on the show, and I just don't think they're sticking, but that's not going to keep me from trying. Zach also rejected his new nickname that I worked so hard, the Mad City Madman. He didn't like it, but we'll keep working. We'll come up with something better. Yeah, anyways, Jackie Bradley Jr., now an official member of the Brewers. His deal is inked. It's legit. It's done. And Jackie Bradley Jr. was asked by the Brewers media, uh, about Lorenzo Cain, because this could uh, potentially be a little awkward. You Both play the same position, signed, coming into his clubhouse on his team, although he opted out last year. So maybe, maybe there's a little bit of an, an alpha competition. Who's really the center fielder? It could get a little awkward, my point being. So Brewers Beat asked Jackie Bradley Jr. Have you talked with Lorenzo Cain? Have you had a conversation with the guy? I talked to him, um, you
3: know, about playing or anything. We're just kind of talking amongst each other. I, I just got here today, so... You know, I don't think there's really been, you know, too much talking or discussing much of anything. But like I said, I, it's not something I have to worry about. Um, you know, I, I'm going to leave that up to Craig and, you know, the, the people who are who are running the show. I'm going to be focused on helping the team any way I possibly can and wherever I'm playing. And
0: you know, it, it's, a, it's a go. Kind of an Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love type situation we got going on here, huh? Lorenzo Cain, the wily old vet in the twilight of his career, trying to put together a couple last good runs. And all of a sudden, his team spends a dozen million bucks, 12, 13 million bucks a year to bring in another gold glove center fielder. What the hell? Now, it's obviously very different because free agent draft. Baseball is just a different sport. But anyway, I can bring up Jordan Love and that draft last year. I think you just got to do it. You got to bring it up. I love how Jackie Bradley Jr. alludes to the fact that, yo, we got a great manager probably the best manager in baseball, probably one of the best people in baseball, Craig Council. I'm paraphrasing a little. To always know that your manager is going to put you in the best spot to succeed. And I think something else that's jumping out to me about this presser and what Jackie Bradley Jr. had to say is he believes in what the Brewers are doing. And it might not be completely normal. It might not follow the same pattern that a lot of teams follow, especially teams that spend money. Big market teams like the Red Sox, although they're now they're on the downside. To know that yeah, it's a little different, it's a little odd, but the manager and the general manager know what they're doing and they're going to put you in the best spot to have success. It's a good feeling. And I think the Brewers beat picked up on that theme, so they continued. It's like, well, have you talked to David Stearns? Have you talked to Craig Council? What are those conversations? No, I
3: didn't discuss all of that or, you know, go into, into any details. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, as long as I feel like I can help a team win, then, you know, I'm all for it. And, you know, the guys that's out there with me as well, um, you know they're they're excellent ball players, and you know they can get the job just as just as good, or if not better, as well. So, you know, I have full faith in you know all of their capabilities, and you know we're all going to get our opportunities. So we just want to take full full advantage of it, and you know hope the ball.
0: I think that's the right attitude. I, I think Jackie Bradley Jr. and Colton Wong. While we're at it. Both of these free agents came into Milwaukee ready to buy into what they're doing. And I think it's interesting that both of these guys, one who played for a division rival and one who played in the American League, hundreds, thousands of miles away on the East Coast, that both of these players were interested and intrigued enough to come play in Milwaukee because they must believe in what the Brewers are doing. And the Brewers do things a little differently. They don't really follow traditional roles. Like Think about the way they organize their pitching staff. Craig Council doesn't even like saying pitcher. It's about out-getters, baby. We have starters, but then we also have guys who piggyback off the starters. We have these stretch middle relievers, out-getters type of thing. And then they don't really have a setup man or a closer. They kind of rotate those positions too. And offensively, Craig Council rotates the leadoff guy like it's his day job. Eric Thames and Daniel Vogelbach and Yelich is in there one day. And maybe we'll see Kane. And I think we'll see Colton Wong a little bit too. Omar Narvaez in the leadoff spot. Weird lineup combinations. And sometimes having a second leadoff hitter in that nine spot instead of hitting the pitcher at nine. He mix things up. Council mixes things up. And they move guys around defensively too. R.C. is now going to play third base. And Mike Moustak has played second, as did Travis Shaw. Like, they just can't do things normally. And to an outsider, it might seem weird. Certainly non-traditional, but... Two outsiders, two players came from outside of Milwaukee and said, I want to be a part of that. I like what they do. I'm willing to go with the flow. And I know it's cliche, but trust the process that Stearns and Council have put into place and the process they followed that's allowed them to make the postseason three years in a row. Teams like the Brewers don't make the playoffs three years in a row. It just doesn't happen. They have a way of doing things. And as weird as it seems, it's working. And I think Jackie Bradley Jr. recognizes that. I think it was clear when we listened to Colton Wong that he recognizes that and he sees the same thing as well. That's cool. Brewers fans, we got a culture. We got a good thing going on. And I shouldn't have mentioned the Brewers score because I didn't have it updated in front of me. When I mentioned it about 10 minutes ago, I said that it was six to six. That's not the case. The Brewers are now pouring in some runs. Tyrone Taylor had a big hit. And I'm going to pull up the score officially now and get it refreshed. So I there's no chance that I mess it up. 10 to six, the Brewers were up. Travis Shaw is at the plate. So there's your full Brewer update. I'll give you another update on the side of this commercial break. Brewers aren't on the radio today. I don't think they're on TV, although they might be. Uh, Sinclair has locked me out of my ability to view Fox Sports Wisconsin, so doesn't really matter. More Brewers talk, including why I think the Jackie Bradley Jr. signing has a dark side, has a negative effect, or a or a negative cause, I guess more realistically. Let's talk about that. More Brewers coming up next here on the Wisco
1: this is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show, rolling on, talking Brewers. My name is Grant Bills. I'm just having a killer day, and I hope you are too. Glad that you've tuned in to Talk Wisconsin Sports, at least for a couple of minutes. The talk and text line, 608-796-2558. I have beef with some of you right now. Not all of you, but some. Brett, done a good job today. You, you you brought it. You've texted in. You've updated me on the Brewers score. You said Bradley Jr. can just play left field. Garcia can ride the pine. I think that's probably how they'll start. I think your, your starting field is probably Yelich, Kane and Jackie Bradley Jr. And then you work in Avi Garcia when you can. I think there'll be plenty of time. Brett, you're okay. Uh, Jordan, you have sent me Brewers updates as well. I appreciate you. You're okay. Right now, I have beef with Julie. Now, Julie, you don't text every day. You text sparingly. And uh, I always appreciate your insight, but this is this is dark stuff, Julie. Julie says, oh, no, 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 no. No dating for you. We do not need a balanced and boring sports host. Julie. First of all, I think you aren't really a radio host, at least in the state of Wisconsin, until you've been divorced, like, at least twice. So, you're actually, Julie, you're actually not wrong. Like, most radio hosts are very, very unsatisfied, romantically. Um, I am just, I'm just unsatisfied due to lack of activity, not because of some relationship gone bad. It's good to know where your priorities lie, Julie, though. This is very, very, this is, I'm glad you sent in this text, because now I know where you're, You know, as long as I'm talking about sports and I'm being entertaining, you ride with me. But God forbid I get a girlfriend, find one slice of emotional balance in my life. Julie can't stand for it. Shame. Big Joe tweets in, am I good? Yeah, Big Joe, you're always good. I always appreciate your input. We're talking Brewers, and my love life has been made a subject on this show by everyone except me today. But I would like to stick to the the Brewers. They're uh, beating the Giants right now. 13-6. 13-6. to six. Where do these runs keep coming from? They can't keep up with it all. I think Travis Shaw must have knocked in a couple of runs. Let's see. who's Who has hits today? Christian Yelich has two hits. That's fantastic. Zach Green has two hits. Colton Wong has a hit and three at-bats. Orlando Arcee has a couple of hits. That's no surprise. Uh, Narvaez, Travis Shaw, yep, has, a, has an RBI and a hit. I was right about that. Corey Ray can't do a gosh darn thing, but Garrett Mitchell's on fire in spring training, which is something I tweeted about. I don't get how that works. I want to see Corey Ray start doing some things. Garrett Mitchell's not taking time. Corey Ray, maybe just a late bloomer. I don't know, but he's a top 10 pick, so I had high hopes. We're not talking about any any young developing players, although I want credit for knowing who Corey Ray and Garrett Mitchell are and Bryce Terang. Let it be known that I can, here and there, intelligently speak to the Brewers Farm System. I want to talk about the free agent they just signed. I want to talk about... Jackie Bradley Jr. And I've been really high on the Brewers for the last couple of months. I really like this team and what they're doing. And I wanted on the record that I loved this team before they signed Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. I loved the direction this team was headed. We've asked for pitching for years. Finally have the pitching in Burns and Woody. And I'm bullish on Adrian Hauser, something that I've been talking about. Drum I've been banging for weeks and months. I love Hayter and Williams. You can't find a better two relievers in baseball. And then they have these tweener pitchers with Peralta and Suter. And those are like steroids to Craig Council. And I guess they're using Rasmussen in that role as well, which is going to bang so hard. The pitching staff is great. And Council's going to do a lot with that. And they're going to win a lot of those games with those arms alone. And then you had Yelich and Hira and Kane and Arcia, who was the team's MVP last year. And I will never let anyone forget about that. This is a really good team. And then you add in Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. And my excitement goes up even higher. I really like this team, but I have a concern and I want to share that concern today. And I don't know how it took me this long to think of this concern. Normally, I'm on the ball with this kind of thing, but it took me a couple of days. Jackie Bradley Jr. was added last week. It's taken me a little bit less than a week. Are we sure that Lorenzo Cain's I. we sure he's good? Are we sure he's going to be a healthy useful player this year that actually gives the Brewers some utility? Like, let's use Ryan Braun as a marker. Ryan Braun, the last two years, really didn't start at all. He didn't really play a whole lot, and they used him here and there. Is Lorenzo Cain gonna be more useful than that? Because if so, I'll take it. The man's pretty old. But if he is that version of Ryan Braun, or a worse version of that Ryan Braun, they are paying him a lot of money. And I'm hoping they're gonna get a little bit more out of him than that, but I am concerned. Because Lorenzo Cain has a quad injury, and he's been shut down. And this was kept pretty quiet. It's easier to keep things quiet these days because reporters aren't in the locker room. Right? They're in Zooms. It's a lot more controlled. He's hopeful for opening day. Hopeful. And Adam McAlvey was pretty pretty, uh, pretty tight on this scene yesterday. He was doing a good job reporting it. And you should follow Adam on Twitter, friend of the show, at Adam McAlvey. Lorenzo Cain said that he likes to get about 50, 60 at-bats in spring training. That's not going to happen now because I don't think he's going to play a single game in in spring training unless he has some miraculous recovery. Also, I guess he had his wisdom teeth taken out right before camp, which I'm sorry. I like Lorenzo Cain, but what the hell? You opted out last year. You've had the entire offseason and you wait to get your wisdom teeth pulled until right before camp starts. Look, maybe there's a reason. Maybe there was an infection. Maybe something came up out of nowhere, but that's odd to me. I'm not looking to go out of my way to find reasons to rip Lorenzo Cain. That's not what I'm doing. It's just odd. That's a little bit of a red flag. That's what Scottie Pippen did to the Bulls back in the day. And we talked about it for weeks this summer. And we debated the last dance documentary. And Well, was Scottie Pippen a good teammate or no? blah, blah, blah. We talked about it for months. That's a red flag with Lorenzo Cain for me. He's not going to be ready for opening day. Or if he is, just barely be ready for opening day. And he's getting his wisdom teeth yanked right as camp starts. Once again, there might be a reason why. Maybe. But are we sure this Jackie Bradley Jr. signing wasn't just insurance or a handcuff for Lorenzo Cain? I, I don't know how bad the injury is. It seems like it's just a strained quad, a quad injury. But that can turn into other injuries as well. And he uses his lower body quite a bit as a center fielder and as a hitter. He gets that lean going and he loves running into walls. He's addicted to running into walls in the outfield. That worries me a little bit. And I'm not trying to make something out of nothing here. I'm just trying to be thorough. And you know, that's I love doing that. It's like my favorite thing to do on this show is to take the tiniest thing and blow it up to really, really like stupid proportions. Making mountains out of molehills. That's what we do on this show. But I don't think I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here. I think I'm reading the tea leaves and reading in between the lines and just asking the question that needs to be asked. Because this signing, now a week removed, has the same vibes as the Craig kimbrell Corey Knable saga two years ago. And we bought that hook, line, and sinker. Remember? When the Brewers were just coming off 2018, when that bullpen was nails with Joaquin Soria and Xavier Cedeno and Burns and Hayter and Jeffress and Knable. That bullpen was nails. And they come within a Game of the World Series, come back the next year, and what do they do? The Brewers want to add Craig Kimbrell? Oh, my, they're going for a Super bullpen, and Brewers fans are like, yeah, 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 let's go. Because Craig Council and relievers, it's PB&J, they go together. And then we learn that Corey Knable's got an elbow injury, and Corey Knable needs Tommy John, and Brewers fans are thinking, oh, okay. so, So that's why they were in on Craig Kimbrell, is because they were losing a huge cog in their bullpen. Now, I don't think Lorenzo Cain's going to miss this whole season with some injury that we know nothing about, and Jackie Bradley Jr. is his replacement. But I do think it's very reasonable and realistic to expect and assume that Jackie Bradley Jr. was brought in as insurance. What if Lorenzo Cain has an injury plague season? And what if he never gets right? And what if he's not really that interested in playing anymore? You know what I found that was interesting? and I didn't pay any attention to this at the time, this is a couple of weeks ago when Tom Hodgricord of the Journal Sentinel straight up asked Lorenzo Cain, did you miss baseball as much as you thought you would last year? Listen to his answer. It's not super reassuring. Oh, wow. Good
1: question. Hmm. Wow. Good question. (laughs) See, I've never really thought of it that way. Um, Hmm. I would say... I miss the, the atmosphere in this clubhouse. I, I would say I miss my teammates. I would say I, I missed having the fans in the stands. I would say I miss just seeing the people uh, that's around me more than actually going out there and hitting the baseball. I would say that. Oh,
0: okay, okay, okay. I, I understand where he's coming from. He was quite hesitant. But that comes with being thoughtful, right? If somebody asks me a question, I'm not against taking 10 seconds to go, hmm, and think about it. Aaron Rodgers does the same thing. Once again, I have the utmost respect for Lorenzo Cain, what he's done as a player, what he's done as a a family man, as a philanthropist. I love Lorenzo Cain, and I'm not looking to slander him in any way here. That's not what I'm looking to do. I'm just saying, let's look at the evidence, okay? To say that you like your teammates, you miss your teammates, you miss the fans, you miss being at the ballpark, actually playing baseball, maybe that's secondary. Okay, I, I get that to an extent. I love my job. Big reason why I love my job is I love where I work. I love who I work with. But at the end of the day, I would not do this job if I didn't get to come in here and talk into this microphone for two hours every night because this is what I love to do. I love doing this show. And as a baseball player, you can love your teammates, love your manager, love the fans, love the experience. But at the crux of it, you need to love baseball. And I'm not questioning that Runzo Kane doesn't love baseball. We do this every year with the draft. It's so stupid. It's like, well, yeah, he's a good player, but does he really eat, sleep, and breathe football? Josh Rosen, he has a hobby, which I guess it's a bad example because Josh Rosen turned out to be a bust of busts. So maybe they were onto something with Josh Rosen not being all in on football. I'm not looking to slander Lorenzo Cain. I want to make that abundantly clear because I'm a huge fan, and I think odds are he gets healthy somewhere around opening day. They work him in slowly, and he's a contributor to this Brewers team. And they manage his innings, manages his at-bats, which is the reason why they brought in Jackie Bradley Jr., which makes sense. But I, I don't know. i got to say it's a little concerning. And it has sneaky, similar vibes to what happened with Corey Knable and what happened with Craig Kimbrell. Is that two off-seasons ago? Now, also while we're on the record, I would have loved the Brewers to pony up a couple million bucks to, to keep Corey Knable as well. Because imagine a bullpen that has Hayter, Williams, Peralta, Suter, Rasmussen, who, who knows, maybe J.P. Fireisen is is something again this year. And Justin Topa, everybody's talking about him. And Corey Canabel. My God, that's a team that can can play with the Dodgers. Now, they're not going to be favored. But you got another could-be elite res- reliever in, in Corey Canable. I'm all about it. And for two, three million bucks, that's a risk I'm willing to take. Because getting an elite reliever for Craig Council, that's like, Ooh. it's like peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. They bring out the best in each other. Craig Council and relievers. And I think it would have been a worthwhile risk of a couple million bucks, especially if I knew the Brewers were going to turn around and spend for Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. What's the difference? A couple million bucks for Corey Canable. Keep him in town and keep him as a member of the Brewers where he's been really successful. But that's a side note. And a side note that at some point, I'm sure we'll have to return to. We'll do a check-in with Corey Canable at some point this season. Maybe he doesn't even make the major league roster and I sound like an idiot. And I'll admit for sounding like an idiot. It's fine. Let's wrap up the show coming up next. I want to get a full update on everybody who is tagged or not tagged in the NFL today. We'll talk about Aaron Jones and the possibilities that might lie ahead and whatever else is going on. Anything you'd like to bring up, send me a text 608-796-2558. I'll make time for it as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.